I don't want this to come across as one of those podcasts that I feel like a lot of men do where they're like, women just want this and women just want that. And you're like, take the microphone away from that man, please. Also put him in jail. Like I don't. (laughs) Totally. Friends by accident. Podcast host on purpose. This is what you get when two Canadian women who come from completely different backgrounds serendipitously meet in a Brooklyn apartment. This is Accidental Friends with Aline Degan and Kristen Mandela. Hi, folks. Hi. How's everyone doing? Gang. Um, okay, so today we have a very, I, we always say this, we have a very fun topic today, but I am very excited about Listen, this Listen, first of all, I want to interrupt you right there because okay. if we can't Already hype ourselves up, who Every the time. heck can? <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, okay, so we often talk about like issues or like situations or experiences pretty pertaining to like women, femme presenting people, like that type of vibe. Yeah. That's the experience that we know. Um, but today we're flipping the script. And we're talking more about, not that we know anything about the men's experience, but we're talking about like patriarchy, misogyny. Yeah. And how, I think one of the big things that we want to bring into is maybe shed a little light into like what we feel like deserves maybe some empathy or some understanding from the men's perspective. Yeah. And what we feel like needs to not have that. (laughs) Exactly. Because I do feel sometimes, not that we hate men. No. But I feel sometimes there are comments that are sprinkled throughout our episodes. Yeah, and they kind of denote a little bit of man dislike. Right. So it's like the general ma- male societal role, not like to Yeah, the stereotypical. More just like, I'd like to walk home and feel safe vibe, <laughs> not like the yeah, yeah, yeah. man partner kind of yes. vibe. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Okay. That's a great distinction. Okay. Good. Okay. So, so let's, uh, let's jump into her here. Let's um, jump in. Um, the way this really came about is because we kind of want to sh- – exactly what Chris said at the end is like we really want to talk about like things that we we have empathy for, I guess, towards absolutely. men. Like the male experience, yeah. The male experience. Um, Chris, do you have any that come to mind? I'm blanking. I actually, no, I'm <laughs> I actually have a lot. No, oh, I, I I was surprised. I, f- I guess I'm feeling extra empathetic this morning and super Love understanding. It. But I would say the ones that jump out at me first is um, like masculinity. I think I have a lot of empathy yeah. for like – I don't want to use like too many obnoxious words, but I think the one thing that comes to mind is that the fact that I don't feel like men always feel like they can be – 100% uniquely themselves. Yes. Okay. Because they feel like it has to be a subheading, like that themselves have to be a subheading underneath masculinity. Like yeah, yeah, they yeah. first have to appear masculine. God forbid they come across as feminine or gay or any of these things. And then yeah. they can kind of have the subtleties of their own personality yeah. as long as they have the first thing covered. Mm-hmm. And I think it ends up really watering down their true essence Mm -hmm. and their true form their true personality and the uniqueness of themselves because Mm -hmm. they have to like if they really wanted to dress crazy or maybe they don't really know how to dress but they're interested in fashion but again the first subheading is always I'm nervous about coming off as feminine or gay so I don't want to dress that way or I don't don't want to play with my masculine features or anything like that because I'm worried that I might get misconstrued so then I'll actually water down my fashion sense or or how I want to dress right you know what I'm saying so like I think it permeates like every little subset of like a person's personality Mm -hmm. to first be concerned about whether you come off feminine and I think that's the one thing that I'm 
that I'm very frustrated by is that femininity is seen as such a negative I know. in hypermasculine spaces. Like it's such a fucking bad thing I to know. come off feminine because then God forbid you might come off gay, which could be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. So that stuff I have not as much sympathy for. Like that stuff really frustrates me. But yeah, that's like the same. systemic stuff that I'm frustrated by. But at, on the individual level, how it comes off is like I have a lot of sadness and empathy for the fact that like, yeah, sure, women are called basic and whatever. But I think for the most part – um and again I think I don't want to go into the feminine side because I think there's like also the male gaze aspect of like wanting to always be attractive and not wanting to like explore yeah. your beauty or how you're yeah, perceived yeah. because you want to be seen as attractive but I do think at least on my side like I do think that there are so many ways to be seen as a woman and so many ways to dress and self-express that I, I don't think men have as many I agree avenues I agree and nice <laughs> nice that's a that's a great one to start with because it's also I find and maybe this is like something that I've learned along the way but I find it so attractive in other people when I hear like men loving what they love when it's not and I'm not I'm not even gonna say that it's not mainstream like I'm not going for like, like maybe somewhat, not a traditional maybe yeah like interest. yeah if they have interests that are like artsy or that's why I think I always like, like alternative I think yeah. just having I know that sounds kind of low bar but when men even have interests and hobbies and things that they pursue out yeah. that are pa- that they're passionate about outside of I'd say sports I know yeah. that sounds like I'm cutting off a big part of the population but like I think that's something that a lot of men are yeah. kind of not indoctrinated into, but it is seen as like a very – like it's a kind of a thing that brings a lot of men together from fathers to sons to uncles. Like you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like in the family structure as well as in the front structure, it's kind of like that, well, we don't gossip or talk shit. We just talk about sports. Like it's their version of fucking gossiping. So yeah. And I think, I think in that way – So I'm like, wondering like if the, it's like kind of in a sense like – when you say passions, like I'm thinking soft passions, like yeah. passions that calm them down. Maybe they are mm. really into music, um, like learning new song, whatever. Maybe they right. lo- want to play the guitar. Maybe they like to paint. Maybe they like to right, like self reflective like hobbies that, that they can do a solo. Yeah, like something like that. I love that. Not to sexualize it, but it, that is an attractive quality in a person. It's an attractive quality, and it's not. It's attractive because it shows that this person is being themselves, that they feel right. comfortable enough to be themselves. They feel strong They've enough in enough their sense of identity. Yes. Yeah, in their identity that they're like, I don't give a shit how it's perceived if I like to sit and paint. I don't give a mm-hmm. fuck. Like I just want to, I just want to sit in silence, put on my, you know, Beethoven. Right. And paint. Yeah, I think that there is something wonderful about that. And I think it's also the reason that we're drawn to that as an attractive quality, as I think, is because it's not often maybe celebrated in the same way. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of those kids um, that I'm remembering in high school that had these like hyper fixations or things that they were super dedicated to, like I had a friend. Well, not a friend, like a guy that I went to high school with that was like super into guitar, like nerded mm. out, was like learning every single riff. And he was seen as like a weirdo. Mm-hmm. But all the kids – all the dudes that were like I went to high school with that were like kind of popular and jockey, like they didn't have a lot of special interests. I'd say like the one person that I'd say was like an exception to that rule was Tevin because he yeah. kind of threaded the needle between yeah. the art world Both. and the sport world really in a way did. that was like very impressive. But he also caught a lot of fucking flack for it. So acting as though that didn't come at a price where he was also yeah, yeah, yeah. made sure. fun of absolutely constantly for being feminine is another thing. Like, like he, he absolutely was 
given a very hard time for kind of this duality that was in him of like yeah. the artsy and the sporty. But I think a lot of the people that I know that had those special interests in high school that were men were seen as not popular. Yeah. Oftentimes. Because it's not – and I, I think that the reason that we kind of like took sports out of the equation is – I'm now thinking about it that it's like if you think about sports and like locker room talk and all mm-hmm. of the stuff that comes with 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 that as like your hobby and whatever that, like hyper sport culture it is very hyper masculine it is very like black and white like they you just hit people and blah 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 and that's all right. seen as okay whereas I think that when you do calmer activities you are alone with your thoughts a lot more. Mm-hmm. You have to be very comfortable thinking the things that you're thinking, feeling the things that you're feeling, not having the validation. It's not as of, loud or distracting. Yeah, it's yeah not there's as, no external validation. There's which no I think external in high school, validation. When you're younger, it. it's all about external validation. So yeah. you're going to have to be different to pursue things that aren't. Yes. Like that. And I think it takes a lot of strength to do that. I agree. Or That's even why just like a. a something in you that wants to pursue something that isn't rewarded socially or societally which I think now I have a lot of guy friends that I'm like I don't really know what you guys care about or like like to do um but one thing that I will applaud is that we have we both have a close friend I don't know if he'll want me to say it or not but he's like recently taken up baking and I was like I think that is the sweetest that's the best fucking hobby. Like that's unreal. Yeah. And whenever we like uh, do things now, he'll like bring over a new recipe of like baked goods, and I'm like, that is that's the best thing awesome. ever. Because I think we need to be re- not rewarding, but like I think it's just awesome to see people find new things that they like to express themselves or yeah. just to like dive into at this age, especially because I think yeah. we kind of settle into ourselves at mm-hmm. like in our 30s and just not stagnate, but it's not often like that you start a new skill. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very cool. In um, last year, Fern took a pottery class. Oh, I love he that. He signed up for a pottery class. And for my birthday, he made me a mug and a plate. That is so cute. With my initial on it. Was it good? It was so great. They're so freaking cute. I love And that. he's like, I want to go back. And I'm like, yeah, I've never heard so of fun. somebody doing pottery. I, I literally don't know anyone that's done a pottery class. I, I know one person. But oh, she's really? like the coolest person I know. So Yeah. So I'm like, that's so sick. So that's Go for so it. Cute. Like nice do burn. all that, that. Do all that artsy stuff. Like I freaking love that stuff. Um, um, I, have, I have another thing that I'm empathetic about that, that just came to me. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Go. Dive in. So I think, again, when I'm talking about the negatives that I don't have empathy for, it's often at the societal level. But I think when this the, – the anyways, the nuance of this one is a bit more complicated. But I would say mental health is a huge aspect that I think you and I will definitely agree mm-hmm. on because I think for the most part – Again, because of the toxic masculinity and like the fear of femininity, being vulnerable and emotional are seen as – Oh, I feel this one so much. Yeah, are seen as very um, feminine things, unfortunately. And it's such a disservice to the like emotional capacity of men. Yeah. But I I would say when a lot of arguments get brought up and they're talking about like, oh, it's like so hard to be a man. Like we have to work harder and we have to provide. We have to do these. And and, like I'm like those structures were built by men. So it can also be dismantled by men. Um, but I would also say that like the issues around mental health, I have a tremendous amount of empathy for because in a lot of these places, especially like not Toronto, which is like a metropolis and like often very accepting, but in more rural or, or whatever places where it's not as accepting to be kind of like a nuanced version of what it means to be a man, the pressure that you would feel to fit into a box 
and to not express yourself, to yeah. not cry, to not be vulnerable mm-hmm. would be stifling. Like I would be smothered by that. It would be so oppressing yeah. and it would be really difficult. And I don't undermine that. Like I think about small towns, like small rural towns in North America and I'm like, holy shit, this would be stifling fucking stifling it would yeah. be really I think really that's difficult like the perfect word for it absolutely and i think it would just be so difficult so in that way i have a lot of empathy but it's always met on the other side with that means that it requires bravery and it yeah. requires action because courage and vulnerability on our side women are expected to be hysterical to be overly emotional yeah. and we are fighting for the opposite thing where we want to be taken more seriously and be able to be seen as a cognitive like a, you know what i mean like an adult person. a professional yeah, person no, that can I be totally taken agree. seriously so we're both fighting losing battles and the opponent is imaginary it's this system that we have just created that says yeah. This type of person is attractive. This per- type of person is not attractive. Um, go go be in the world where we tell you that the most important thing you yeah. have to be is attractive. So it's like, yeah. it's fucking exhausting. Yeah. And I want to just touch on that from like a cultural perspective. Absolutely. Um, because culturally, I think people that come from, I'm just going to speak from like Armenian background because that's sure. what I know. But I do know that it's very prevalent in like with an Italian family, if you were at a Portuguese family, if you were a, any kind of Middle Eastern family, Indian family is... Like, there's a lot that you are not allowed, like, they really, really have the stereotypical, like, masculine Mm. man that you're not allowed to talk about your feelings. Like, that's just kind of the way it is. You are meant to work and you're meant to provide. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you have an immigrant family, like, you, a lot of immigrant families, I think about it, you've either brought your family over or you've taken this massive risk to bring yourself over and maybe your partner to provide a better life for your future family. Mm-hmm. So to them, there's no room for weakness. There's not a lot weakness. of space for, There's yeah, no room exactly. for it. They're just mm-hmm. like, I cannot have a breakdown. I cannot stop to think about how I feel because I am on autopilot to, They're on survival to provide. Mode a lot of, yeah, yeah, you're on survival mode. So they don't have the luxury of like sitting with their feelings and maybe crying it out, blah, blah, blah. But I love what my dad always says. I've never met my dad's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he had passed away before I was even born. But my dad always says, he's like, he was such an emotional man. Like he used to, he used to cry just like holding his grandkids. Like he would just hold them. And if he was around them, he would just start to cry. And my dad's a very emotional man too. And I think he's like slowly just like become, he takes after his own dad. But Mm -hmm. um, I just find it funny that it's like, it's very, but he's a very, my dad is very different than stereotypical middle eastern men right because he's he's okay with crying like but it, he's totally really fine with one it. brave person in the yeah. line of genealogy to then be like i i want to be emotional i want to hold my kids and i want to yeah. be vulnerable i'm gonna cry and then that ripples down because your dad has always been emotional and in touch with those yeah. kinds of things so it's like that starts it has to start somewhere it and it's totally kind of like that does. classic one where it's like if not me, who? If not now, when? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we can only keep complaining about these oppressive structures in so long as we also acknowledge that there is an absolute role that we can be playing in challenging them all the time. Yeah. I just think it's – I think it's not as I, – I feel – I always feel bad for people who are I, – I, I always feel bad for people with, like, a very strong cultural background because it, it does come from – there's, like, a class, you know, thing about it too where I do feel, like – 
not to generalize, but like white people have the luxury of being like, okay, if I'm having a bad mental health day, maybe I can take a day off work or maybe I can whatever. There's certain social safety nets that exactly white Whereas, people often are allowed to navigate without yeah, shame. Or they're like given a bit of a like well, a, the mental health movement a is, is incredibly white. In, yeah, in they're general. given a little bit of a longer leash. Whereas I think, like I've spoken to, I have I have this friend who's Indian and her, and she's talked to me about her parents and stuff. And she said that like, oh yeah, like my parents, she's essentially alluded to the fact that like her parents are not like emotional beings. Like right. they're just not that type. And I don't blame them in any sense of the, I don't blame them at all. Like there's mm-hmm. no part of me that's like, oh my God, that freaking sucks for you. But because right. it's, they did come for survival. Like, they have been on survival mode. So, and they've maybe worked jobs that maybe they couldn't take a day off if they had a mental health day. They, they couldn't, well, they had like to the just be on. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like you don't really have room for failure. And I think yeah. the one thing that I feel a lot of is like growing up in Toronto with the safety nets and the family and yeah. people with money around me, I've always kind of operated from the sense of like, I'm going to be okay. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, no matter what, somebody will be there. I have a, like, a yeah. huge community of family and friends. Um, but when you go to a new place and you're truly alone and the people mm-hmm. back home don't have the finances to support you, that isn't a feeling you don't that have you can that. have. You no. know what I mean? You are literally surviving. But so I just kind of wanted to touch on that too because it's, no, I think it's that's like an a very – It's an important note to have in there. Can yeah, I absolutely. talk about one? Yes, please. I think that I've, and I've seen this a lot on TikTok because I don't know many men like this, or maybe I do and they just haven't talked to me about it. Hmm. But men who have been like experienced any kind of assault, like hmm. sexual assault, um, and I feel like it's not taken seriously at all. And it makes me feel so sad that maybe they can't, they feel like they can't share it or they won't be taken seriously. And we can talk about how women are already not taken seriously a lot of times. No, but when I think they talk, we talk about specifically about but this. But I, I want to focus on like, yeah, I want to focus on men that I just feel bad that they can't share that. And I don't know any of my friends or anyone, any guy that I know that has experienced sexual assault. Really? In fact, yeah, I don't. And I'm sure they have because I'm sure it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. possible. I just feel like no one's ever opened up to me about that. Right. So I'm curious. That's why I've I've never really thought about it too much. And then now obviously being on TikTok and like social media in general. Right. You like see it. You just see everything. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that's such an important one because I know four people, four men. <gasps> yeah. But wow. I would say the way that they view it and their experience Mm. is so vastly different because it was seen as almost a joke. Mm. And I don't want to get into the details. I don't want to like out anybody. It's, It's a very like, it's just a very specific thing, but there wasn't space for it to be taken seriously because it was Mm -hmm. kind of like, well, you got laid, buddy. That's exactly it. What's, what are you crying about? But when you reflect, and again, it's so important. I remember I was speaking with them and I was like, let's reverse the rules here for a second. And let's sit with the fact that if this had happened where somebody was staying out until they knew you were absolutely beyond blackout and Mm -hmm. then made a move when you were basically incoherent, there is just – there's no ifs, ands, or buts that that's an assault. Like there's just no – it's it's essay. Like it's absolutely – without even a thought. But it took us talking about it in that way that they were like, huh. 
Yeah, it kind of was always just this thing, like this kind of funny wow. whatever. Oh my God, that devastates me. Yeah, and I think for us as women who operate in a world where like we feel as though we could be physically overtaken or like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's something that we live in and and being in sexual experiences where I can't speak for you, but like I have been in sexual experiences or experiences where I wasn't super comfortable, but I either went mm-hmm. along with it because I didn't feel yeah. super comfortable saying no or – um, didn't know how they were going to react or I did say no and the person reacted poorly and mm-hmm. there's there's these stories are every day for for people yeah. living in the world that like I, and I think the only difference between the male and the female experience is the reaction to it like externally like even yeah. when teachers like a female teacher assaults a student they're like oh man like lucky guy like that's yeah. the dream I know but if a guy does it predatory he's um, an absolute monster but there is no difference in what it does in terms of like assaulting your bodily autonomy and it just it really bothers me i think that's such an important point that you touched on because it really i think it's something that's it does such a disservice and And i think in one side i'm like well they're not living in this their brains are totally being told like telling them that it wasn't that big of a deal so i think in a lot of ways they don't feel like it's a big deal right like yeah, for, at least I, I can speak for my friends. Like they they're not living in it in the same way that I think a woman would. I know, but sometimes I think it's because it's of the this social weird thing. And not even that. I think that like I genuinely believe our bodies are so smart. Like mm. I think our bodies, they know stuff before we do. Mm-hmm. They know stuff before it gets to our brain, and we're like, huh. That's why it's always like they always say, listen to signs from your body, blah blah. blah. So mm. even though men or your friends, whoever, are like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm sure it did something to them physiologically because they were like, I'm not into this. Like, I don't want this. And your body is, your body knows when it doesn't want something. So I'm sure in that moment when they were not wanting to happen, what happened, like they don't want whatever happened, Mm -hmm. their body is already feeling it and it's sitting in their body somewhere. But in their brain, they've kind of been like, that's fine. I'm okay. Like, I don't need it. But yeah. I'm sure I can't speak. To, I can't speak to that totally, at all. But totally, I, I imagine, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine I'm not, that that's true. I'm not but even I asking. Say. But it's just kind of like I think our bodies know. Like yeah. our bodies know. That's what it, I always think of it this way: that even if you think you're okay, like your body's going to tell you. Like yeah. if we went I do through think an experience that we have a very, like that, like a lot of survival mechanisms. I don't. Yeah, wanna, I, yeah. I think if we went through an experience like that, that was to that I guess extent, or I in any extent. And if we, even when we thought we were okay, there would be, our body would have some hesitation the next time we had any kind of a sexual experience. Right. Like you just kind of would, like, I think it just would, but your brain could override what your body was feeling. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I've been like kind of pushed on and stuff like that in, in different ways. Yeah. I, I can't, I think our brains are so busy with survival mechanisms that it's yeah. kind of hard to determine what our brain versus our body is really experiencing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, my sympathy or my empathy for those situations are isn't like in comparison to the sympathy or empathy for women or femme presenting people that go through sexual assault yeah. or any type of assault. I think it's just like it's spoken about in such a different way that I have like a yeah. different type of empathy for it, if that makes sense. Like I just feel yeah. – I feel sadness that the way that it's spoken about is kind of like laugh it off, you're lucky. And I think that's just such a disservice to that experience. Can I admit something? Sure. I used to think that if I heard about a man getting like sexually assaulted or assaulted Mm -hmm. in any way, I'd be like, okay, so. Like you, like you probably loved it. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's not until I got. And I think that comes from like an internal 
yeah. misogyny and also sure. in a way of because I totally I totally not that I not saying. that I was like fuck that guy who cares no, but no, I kind of no. was like but in terms I don't of understanding think... the male experience we yeah. un, we uncomplicate men and we overcomplicate women so yeah. like men are kind of like beep boop like uh, dick like boner yeah. like you know what I mean and like they couldn't possibly feel as violated or upset or sad or you know what I'm saying yeah because also that's kind of shown to us in every form of media all the time that mm-hmm. they are very simple and they don't yeah. have a lot of emotions and that they're not super complex so when we see this those is kind of why things, media like, representation well, matters absolutely representation I, in the media baby let's go yeah well i think it is important to like just document nuanced yes human experiences yeah that show like multi-layers of you know what i mean like what yeah. it means to be a person and not just like how men have to get angry and women have to cry yeah, I um, was listening to this podcast. There was a – I follow her, I think, on TikTok now too. But there's the Man Enough podcast. Yeah, I love that podcast. And um, there's a woman that said Liz Plank. Her name is Liz Plank. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember – so there's three people. I can't remember the third guy's name, but – they were talking about like what he's a black man and they were saying like why can you speak about the white experience mm-hmm. and so he was asking her like no, why no, can you her, yeah, why yeah, can yeah, you yeah. speak on the male experience and she's like the same way that you can speak on the white experience because we know the oppressor better than they know like themselves better than they know themselves mm-hmm. like we're watching their every move right so that's why we can talk about them because i don't want this to come across as one of those podcasts that I feel like a lot of men do where they're like, women just want this and women just yeah, want that. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, take the microphone away from that man, please. Right. Also put him in jail. Like right. I don't. <laughs> totally. Like you can't speak on it because you're not actually listening to us. You're not actually taking in what we're saying. Mm-hmm. And also you're making us like this two-dimensional being. Like we either cry or we want flowers. Like that's just right. – the only two that we got money or whatever money or whatever it is like it's just so um surface level but i think that we want to understand men like chris you and i like really want to understand men and like the guys in our life like we want to understand our partners we want to create these spaces for them that they feel comfortable enough to come to us and talk to us about whatever they're feeling vulnerable about or whatever they're feeling you know Anything yeah, like and I that. think more than yeah, I think and I think if anything, it's it's just important to take space to understand that like other people. I think when we walk through life, like we get so busy with all the shit that we're doing, and it's hard yeah. for us to sometimes stop and realize that other people are experiencing life completely different than yeah. us, and that regardless of like gender or sex or whatever the fuck, like there are societal norms and pressures and structures that are in place that keep us from being like the truest versions of ourselves and the most authentic versions of ourselves and I yeah. do think that that affects men masculine people whatever more in a, in a different way not more or less but like in a way that I think has maybe more of a negative input on society like yeah the repercussions of oppressing men and telling them that they can't be vulnerable and telling them that communicating is like for pussies and like all these different things like and I'm not trying to be over dramatic yeah. but like that's what creates school shooters that's what creates rapists yeah. and people that are super violent in society um so I do think that it does a disservice at like a very large level because 
we can see the repercussions happening yes. at every generation trickle down to the 18-year-olds that commit violent acts. So we know that this idea of masculinity and how it operates isn't safe and it's not working and it's ineffective and it's dangerous. And I think that's the one thing that like we don't always have to compare it, but I, I women, minorities, folks that are disabled um, are bullied, assaulted on a yep. way higher level and none of them are ever picking up weapons to commit like large scale assaults on the population. Yeah. So there has to be something where we have to pause and be like, what is broken here? Like, why is it that? Because the one rhetoric that always happens is like, oh, well, when something like this happens, we should have been nice to him at school. We should have asked him to step aside. Like, no, that's not the answer. The yeah. answer has to be accountable on the other. Like, and this is my, I think my problem with the male versus the female, like the experience is like, the men are never truly held accountable. There was some downfall of yeah. Well, his mom was a bitch. He had a he had a bad mom. Yeah, 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 and, you yeah, know, yeah. And his, girls didn't he was pay dumped by a girl, and he had yeah. never had sex before. It's like that's not you cannot possibly be putting this on yeah. the women in his life. Yeah, because but there's it also does come from a deep fucking self hatred that comes from I think toxic masculinity and misogyny because they're interconnected. Yeah. You cannot have sure. one without the other. Masculinity, toxic masculinity comes from a deep fear of co- becoming feminine because the worst thing in the world would be to be feminine. Isn't that gay. insane? Absolutely. It's it's. I think it's ridiculous. so insane. I always – so I grew up not in a uh, like a hyper-masculine um, household, but I did grow up around like a lot of guys in high school that were that way, that were like very – macho and whatever and I kind of always thought like yeah that's just like what a man is like if he Mm -hmm. wants if he can bash his head against a wall like that's a man right there you know um but as I got older I always was curious I'm like I want to see the feminine like I want to see the feminine side like Mm -hmm. I want to see the soft side of men and it's I always got into relationships with super masculine men Mm. Always, always, always. Because I was like, oh, that's just like what a man is. Right. And it's it's just like it was – it never lasted obviously because it's like there's there's no depth to that. Like there's no depth. That doesn't – for me, right. I don't see longevity in that when life throws a bunch of curveballs at you. You need to talk about it. You need right. to break down. Da- you need to break it down because – Yeah, and I think that's where it's so important that like – we break away from like even like gender binary shit and just like allow people to be absolutely authentically themselves without these like structures of like how they need to be presenting or how they need to be talking or Mm -hmm. showing up like that's the most exhausting part of all of it is like it doesn't really matter what's between your legs what's between your ears i just think having um a culture in place and people in place that like really Mm-hmm. care about individuals and care about how you authentically show up in the world and care about your well-being is like yeah. it, it is what heals the world you know what I mean it's like that yeah, quote that we always talk about where it's like um be so yourself that you like allow other people to be themselves yeah, I and I, I know that that's how you operate and that's how I try to operate as well and I think that's such an important like takeaway I think from this conversation sure. is like regardless because like, I don't really believe in like the divine feminine like I, I do but I, I don't love how it's kind of um, yeah, yeah. About on social media 
But I think it's just like more important in general that like we stop trying to always put people in boxes that like make us feel comfortable. Yeah. And like stop trying to be like, hmm, I actually think that guy might be gay or I think that guy might be this. Like it's like, what does that do to you? Like I understand that human brains often want to categorize things. But, For like, sure. They need why to. Why do we need to limit? Why do we need to limit? Like we, yeah. it's, our brains are smart. They're pattern yeah. creators and we can just as easily break patterns as we can create them. And I Yes. Think agreed. We need to stop and see like this judgmental voice that yeah. we have in our brains is always trying to be like mm, that person's like this it's like just let people be the like just you let people- focus inward yeah and when that voice comes up say how am i showing up am i being my authentic self and then there you can go forward and like i yeah. think when you focus more on that it's you take energy away from like the external judging you know what i mean for sure and i think it's funny that all of the things that we've mentioned and anytime that we've ever called out like oh let's hope he's not we make a jab at men and i'm using like quotation marks where mm-hmm. if we're anytime that in the past that we've taken a jab at men it's literally because it's literally been at toxic masculinity and misogyny yeah, of course. it's never mm-hmm. been at like um the average the person average or person. our fathers or our best and friends. Exactly. Or, yeah. And so think about like everything that we've discussed in this episode too of like everything that we have empathy for them towards them for is really it boils down to the fact that they feel that they cannot express themselves. They don't mm-hmm. have a space to be vulnerable. They're not allowed to be in touch with their feelings. Like they're not allowed. Society doesn't allow them in a way to do that because then mm-hmm. it views them or it paints them in a what they perceive is a bad light. Right. So, and I think the only thing that we can do going forward is like really – and I think like my main takeaway that I'm even going to take away from this is that like yeah. I want to be super cognizant of creating those spaces. And I think I do yeah. sometimes to an obnoxious degree. Like when I'm at dinner or something like if, for Andre's birthday – like I'll always be like, so everyone go around and like share the thing that you love the most about it. Or like, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, because yeah, yeah. I, I think that <laughs> when you create conversations like for that, sure. it it opens up the space for people to share in a way that they probably wouldn't if mm-hmm. they wouldn't have been called on. And I know it can be a little annoying sometimes. And Andre's is like, we don't have to make everything like a sappy conversation. I'm like, mm, not yes, every conversation, but like every once in a while, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's be your birthday, for sure. Yeah, but I do think that like that starts with the people that are comfortable in themselves mm-hmm. and in their emotionality to then be like, you're safe here. I want to hear what's on your mind. Like you have to open up to me. Like, yes. I would really like, and if you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. But I hope that you, you do, you know? Yeah. That's what we strive to do. Both with this podcast, both in our personal lives is just totally. to like provide that space for people I who hope need so. it. I hope I'm so too. I'm not always super cognizant about it, but I think it's something that I want to be more cognizant of. Of. <laughs> we finish each other's sentence. <laughs> okay. Is, yeah, absolutely. I think, um. This was a... Go forth <laughs> into the world. Go forth and make space. And just see people as individuals and try yeah. to make space for them because I think it's it's a hard it's hard out there for everyone right now. It's fucking hard. Yeah. Chris, that's that that <laughs> little like quote, bless you, stuck with me. That like, you know, four people who have been in that situation. That really mm-hmm. has like that's that's on my that's on my brain. And I'm cause I'm now trying to I'm now curious. And both like curious and I'm both like reflecting to see has anyone ever said that to me and I just like didn't catch it. Yeah. Mm, did I ignore it? Did I cat did I just go in one ear out the other? Hmm. I'm gonna have a little That's something to think on. Think about that. Well, here we are. Here we are. 
This has been Accidental Friends with Lean and Krista, and this podcast was created by us and produced by Chloe Jackson. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out on our Instagram, Accidental Friends Podcast, our TikTok, Accidental Friends, and don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review. We love you. See you on Thursday.